G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it, it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25-year-old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're chatting with UK evangelist Andrew Cannon. He's been out in Australia preaching the gospel. He's got a great testimony. Uh, Welcome along, mate. Tell us a bit of your story. Whereabouts were you born and raised? Oh, hey, Matt. It's good to be with you, sir. Well, I was born and raised in the UK, in the city of Liverpool. Great city. If you've not been there, I encourage you to visit and let me know, and I will be glad to host any of you. It's a wonderful city. Yep, so I was born and raised there, and I'm 44 years of age now. I lived in Liverpool till I was 32. I, di- I didn't know Jesus. My life was a mess. I spiraled out of control. I was quite successful in the world. The world is most certainly separate from God, and I was successful separate from God, if that makes any sense. I was a mess, my friend. So I born and raised there. I have an older brother, a younger sister, and I knew what love was. I knew what love was. I, I, I was born in a family that loved us, and we were privileged in that context, but we didn't know anything about the Lord. We didn't know Jesus was real. I didn't know the tomb was empty. And my, our lives, well, at least my life just spiraled out of control. Um, I had a small construction company. I was doing quite well. You know, I was semi-successful and it just wasn't enough. I just had this big hole. And we've heard this saying, you know, there's a hole in our heart that only Jesus can fill. And actually, unless you've come to that revelation, it can actually sound quite cheesy. But in reality, it was the truth. I was searching for the truth and had no idea where to find it. And my life just spiraled out of control. I became a cocaine addict, an alcoholic, a self-harmer, living on and off the streets. And and then I was like that for a number of years until January 2010. I moved into a Christian rehab. Well, they would call it a discipleship center. Matt, I had no idea that Jesus was real. I had no idea that the tomb was empty, that I could apologize, meaning repent, say sorry, and turn the other way with strength from the Lord. I had no idea. And in January 2010, I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know the tomb was empty. I didn't know Jesus was real. In January the 21st, 2010, whilst I was sitting in this rehab, the manager said to me, someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus. And I knew it was me. I knew it was me. I felt something pulling me into that truth. Now I know it was someone, it was the comforter. And this is what I said, Matt. It came out of my mouth. 
words that I'd never, ever even thought of, let alone spoken out. I said, Jesus, if you are real, save me. And I felt the hands of God touch me. Wow. He purged nine years of addictions out of me instantly, baptized me in the Holy Ghost and in fire, and my life has never been the same since. It's like this. 9.15 a.m., cocaine-snorting, self-harming alcoholic. 9.16 a.m., brought into the right mind, completely forgiven, washed by the blood of Jesus, set free. It took 60 seconds, and I have 12 and a half years to back that experience up. It was mind-blowing. I'd never been to church. I'd never read the Bible. So it just shows when you hear this, you're not saved through theology, you're saved through faith by grace. It's absolutely true. I'd never read a single scripture, and I just called upon his name, and he met me exactly where I was. It was such a powerful time. Well, I love hearing these stories of people that have had a, a transformational experience like that. Tell us about the next steps for you. Like, how, how long were you in the rehab for? Uh, you know, yeah. what was the journey from there to getting into ministry? Okay, so that that's a great question. So I stayed in I stayed in the rehab for nine months. But if the absolute truth be known, Matt, I think I could have moved out after after two weeks. But I just knew to stay and really marinate in the culture and in the teaching and in and then just in 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 the the way that the way they were set up a devotional a, a life of devotion so i stayed for nine months and then i came out in the september i moved in in the january came out in the september and then i started to work for range rover um in the march the following march six months after i left the rehab and i stayed there for five years Whilst ministering of a weekend, and then I went to Reinhard Bonke's farewell crusade. Christ for All Nations invited me, and it was there in the middle of seven hundred and fifty thousand Nigerians. The Lord spoke to me, said, "Go home and leave your job." So I went home, wrote my letter of resignation, and went into what we would call full time ministry. And I do use that word very loosely because when is it? When is it not a good time for us to share our faith? I think we're all in full-time ministry, you know, but I literally stepped out of my employment and left my, any sort of financial income and then lent completely on the Lord in November 2000, in December 2017. So from then to here, so the Lord spoke to me. I came home, I left my job, and then I lent fully on the Lord from then till now, and I have the privilege to take anywhere between 50 to 70 flights a year to 30 different countries, preaching the gospel, seeing the sick healed. I've not seen the dead raised yet, so I would like any of your viewers or your listeners to pray that I see that happen. Um, I want to see the dead raised. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I've seen cripples walk, people get out of wheelchairs. And God has sent me all around the world, and it's been an absolute joy and a privilege to serve him sacrificially, just leaning on him, not trusting on my own understanding, trusting him, traveling the world, preaching a very simple message, a very simple message that he is king. And we see wonderful things. And here I am, I find myself in Australia, <laughs> which is probably the furthest place I could travel, to be fair, from where I live. It, was, it seems like it takes 10 weeks to get here, although it's not. It's just been a wonderful journey. 
relaxing. I I sit each morning and each evening before I rest my head and I just, I get overwhelmed in a good way, of course, of just the goodness of God and what he's done for me and what he continues to do for me and the rest of his children. It's just beautiful. Well, mate, I'm sure everyone listening now is enjoying hearing your testimony of how Jesus has changed your life, but I reckon they're also loving your accent too. And uh, I, I'm enjoying it too. I, I actually spent six months in Nottingham when I was younger, so I know how okay. to talk a bit like they do in the UK, lad. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Nottingham is not too far from where I live, actually. Yeah, so so when I was there, I remember uh, the, the guys in the UK that I went to school with had no idea about Australia. They, you know, they, they asked me, do I have a pet kangaroo? You know, they asked me, do I, and my friends were the people from Neighbours. You know, they had no idea about Australia, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but... I, I also love the fact that, you know, a lot of them had a Church of England background. You know, it was quite um, a strong uh, religious scene in the UK when I was, you know, I was only eight years old, so it was a long time ago. But um, tell us what the lay of the land is in the UK. Are you seeing pockets of revival? Are you seeing many people like you coming to Christ in your travels in the UK? What's the, what's the spiritual state of the nation right now? That's a great question, and you are right. We are steeped in history. Just to give you an idea, there's a church about a 20-minute drive from my house. It was built in 1006. Wow. Like, so we have this building 1,500 years old, like church buildings. So we've had church in our country for a long, long time. That said, you are right in what you're saying. Um, we are seeing pockets of revival Um like fires, small fires of revival up and down left and right of the country. And it, I believe, Matt, it, it's because people have had enough of not having enough. It, what I mean by that is they know they have full access to the Father, but yet they seem, because of the way they've been living their own life and walking their own walk, that they know actually if we just get ourselves in gear, we can come to him, receive more, therefore distribute more. So yes, there is a hunger rising. And especially I don't wanna I don't wanna live in the past, but especially after the last two and a half years the whole the globe's been through. You know, you've you've had the ones who when you know, again, I don't want to get into this. It almost goes like political, but um, that's not what this is about. But so you know, when the churches were closed, a lot of people were quite happy. It gave them the perfect excuse not to go to church, and a lot, a lot of other people were really not happy about it. And I feel like it's the ones who who really, really wanted to meet, and the ones who wanted to really worship the Lord corporately. It's those kind of churches who are who seem to be bouncing back, but with a greater trajectory than if the lockdown hadn't have happened. You know, there's a greater trajectory. There's the core traction and the moving forward. And there is pockets of revival. You know, the UK is steeped in history of revivals. We have the Welsh revival, the Upper Hebrides revival. We have all of these. And it is, what I'm finding is a lot of the youth, a lot of the, when I say the youth, the young adults, they're talking about revival. Mm. They're talking about revival instead of nightclubs. They're like, we can go after this. Like, we have a responsibility too. The 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds, like, no, we have a responsibility to call that in and we're going after it. So it's rather exciting to see, um, to see the remnant that seems to be quite large. 
so yeah, it's really exciting. Um, some churches bless them, you know. I, I feel like they, 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 they're a little bit frustrated and not being able to get the traction they want. But that's that's a global thing. Mm. But there are some churches, and I guess it's just God's presence that's resting upon it. You know, we can't do this on our own. Yeah. So the UK is, is an exciting place. It just feels, you know, when there's that tension in the air, yeah. and you feel like something's just about to break here. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's wonderful. The other thing I'm I'm curious to ask because you know as an evangelist you've been you know connected with Christ for All Nations and Reinhard Bonnke and uh, we've got mutual friends like Daz Chettle and Daniel Hagen you know who who are just wild evangelists you know and you know as evangelists you know we love to win the lost but we also love to encourage Christians to be evangelistic you know and I think the research shows only about four or five percent of Christians share their faith. Around Australia and around you know in the West, you know, many many Christians uh, in the West just never share their faith. Um, there might be people listening that are thinking, you know, what I, I want to have that zeal, that fire that this Andrew guy has. You know, would you just encourage people listening? You know, how, how can we be more bold in sharing our faith? How you know, because a lot of people have a fear when it comes to sharing our faith. How can we be more bold in that? Yeah, well, one of the ways that is really the best way to one of the ways to be more bold is to find a simple way to interact, because sometimes we can overcomplicate things. So if we can make it very simple. It actually does bring a level of boldness because we know the obstacle is far less. It's not a mountain we're trying to jump over. It's just a, a very small divot in the road. So I often say to people. Start by opening up a conversation like this. Hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? Now, we can all say that. We can all say that to a stranger. Hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? And then one of the reasons why we may not do it is because of this. One, we're not necessarily walking with the Lord as we ought to ourselves. And two is that we could... um, be fearful of rejection. So what we do, Matt, is we teach people to rejoice in rejection. You see, Jesus was rejected a number of times, and he also let people go. He let Nicodemus go, and he also let the young rich ruler. So it's not our responsibility to beg anyone into the kingdom. It's our responsibility to just share the truth. So what I would say is this. Start with a very simple question. Hey, anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? And you will be surprised of the interaction that that simple question brings forth. Because a question, by nature, it brings forth interaction. Hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? You're going to get a no or a yes or something I wish to not share on on the radio station. Um, And that's the most simple way. But seek the Lord and gain his heart for the lost gain is half of the lost. And remember, we were once lost too. Remember, we were once lost too and come from the place of, like, we know the desperation these people are in. And we try and teach the congregations to rejoice in salvation and rejoice in rejection. Because if we can rejoice when we're being rejected, there's no reason for us ever to stop. Mm. That's what we do. We just tell the one in front of you, just Start with the most simplest of interactive questions. Hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? And you will be surprised of how many people are pleasant towards you, who are actually quite open 
And they will say, no, they haven't. Well, I'm about to. Have you got a minute? Gee, and that's how we do it. We just get into every conversation we can with a simple question. And the results have been outstanding. Outstanding. Well, it's so good to hear about your zeal to share the good news of the gospel. And uh, it's been awesome to hear your testimony of what God's done in your life. Uh, it's really awesome connecting with you today. We've been chatting with Andrew Cannon, an evangelist from the UK. Uh, Andrew, I reckon you're a history maker, mate. Thank you so much for joining us. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.